and so uh, that was all going well, but then the Lord called him to America. And, um, uh, and somewhere along the way, uh, Rodney Howard Brown, the, the minister out of uh, Florida, uh, contacted him and kind of took him under his wing when he came to America. And uh, you've really been training him and teaching him uh, not just uh, the mechanics of running large uh, crusades, which he learned that from Reinhard Bonnke, but he said that he learned really how to run a ministry uh, from Rodney Howard Brown. So there's a lot of things that you've got to do in a ministry, right? It's just not just the people, but you've got the administration, you know, you've got the organization, you've got people that you need to hire, and so all those things are the practical aspects, uh, but are, they are important, right, uh, to have that going well, and so he learned a lot of that uh, from Rodney Howard Brown, and, um, and he's been traveling now, what, I think I said a year and a half, not even that long, uh, and um, in the States, uh, and so, and he said the Lord's called him to be here at least five years, and so he'll be here in the States uh, for five years, and um, but he's the, he stands in the office of the evangelist. And, of course, you know, there's fivefold ministry gifts, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 that, the God, that Jesus has given us those gifts, right? Uh, uh, and, he, and it says, and he gave gifts unto men. And the gifts that he gave are those five gifts, right? The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, teacher. And he says, for the work of the ministry, for the, uh, uh, for the for perfecting of saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of, of Christ. Uh, and so uh, we as Christians need the fivefold ministry gifts in order to be perfected, right? In order to grow up, because that's what he said, in order to grow up or to be perfected, we need the fivefold ministry gifts. And so, of course, in a local church, you know, you typically aren't going to have a, um, an apostle sitting in your local church, right? You typically aren't going to have a prophet sitting in your local church. Uh, now, if you've got a large enough church, you know, you will have uh, other ministry gifts in there, uh, uh, but, you know, like for our church, for example, we don't have uh, anybody an apostle. I've had people say they were an apostle, but it's like, well, you're 12 years old. You're probably not an apostle, right? I mean, if you go through the scriptures, typically an apostle is a position that is, that you're promoted into from other positions as opposed to starting out that way, right? Uh, other than the apostles of the Lamb, as far as we can tell, all the other apostles were promoted from other positions, including Paul. Paul started out as a prophet teacher and then was promoted into the office of the apostle. Uh, and so, uh, so typically, I mean, the Lord can do, of course, whatever he wants to, but, you know, when you're, when you're only saved a year and, you know, or a couple of years uh, and you've really not done anything as far as full-time ministry, uh, you're probably not an apostle, none of my business. You know, I'm not your judge of your calling, but, um, you know, uh, uh, it's better because Paul said uh, that uh, I have displayed to you the signs of the, of the apostle, right? Uh, and so there are signs that go along with each ministry gift and so you can call whatever you call yourself whatever you want to but what are what signs are following your gift right uh, and so it should be obvious without saying what position you stand in in the body of christ right and so you really shouldn't have to tell you i mean uh, if you saw uh, anchored at walmart you know no way you you'd mistake him for anything other than an evangelist right he's probably getting the the grapefruit saved you know um, and so and he's probably raising the you know the chickens from the dead uh, I mean, you know, he's, he's an evangelist, right? And that's what he does. And so, um, so all of that to say that, you know, over the years, we've really had all the ministry gifts come to the church. You know, uh, it's been a while, but uh, when Dr. Frame came through, he stood in the office of the apostle. Of course, Brother Randy comes through on a regular basis. He stands in the office of, of the prophet. Uh, we've had uh, uh, Dr. Michael Waite come through several times. He stands in the office of the pastor. Uh, and then a lot of teachers, right? So Miss Marilyn is a teacher, and then we have uh, 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 
Larry and Angela Keaton. They stand in the office of the teacher. Uh, and, um, uh, and so really all the ministry gifts have been through here. We've had some people that, um, you know, they said they were, they were uh, uh, evangelists, but, you know, again, I'm not anybody's judge as far as what their calling is, but they didn't really have the signs of the evangelist with them, right? Uh, they were really a teacher who wanted to exhort people to get the other people saved, which is fine. Uh, but not really, you know, didn't really bring, because uh, uh, evangelist means, uh, it's kind of a funny definition, but the evangelist means one who brings the evangel, right? Or one who brings the, the gospel, the good news. Uh, and so, um, so we've really not had that uh, in our church, right? And yet the, the Bible says that we need all fivefold ministry gifts in order to be perfected, right? So, um, uh, so I'm going to let you, let you all know, I'm going to mention it again on Sunday, but I've got an invitation for um, uh, Evangelist Ankit here in an envelope. And um, I wanted for you all to consider us inviting him. And the reason, you know, normally I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, ask you about this because just, you know, I can invite anybody I want you to come here. But uh, when he comes to a church, uh, part of his job is to help the local church. So, like, for example, uh, when he, and he does this at all, the, all of his meetings when he goes into a local church, he sends a team two weeks ahead of when he's going to be here. So even though the meeting started this week, he sent a team two weeks before uh, this week to work with the local church there in um, Hickson. Uh, and then they, had, uh, they, they met with the church people. Uh, they trained them on how to do evangelism. They went out door to door, and they were collecting names and, and registrations for people to come to the meeting. And if you were there on Monday, uh, it was packed, and, and you know, you could... Uh, you know, I know most of the people that go to church there have been there many times, and, you know, there was, a, you know, 100, probably 200 uh, visitors, right, just local people, right, people that were uh, probably a lot of uh, homeless people, a lot of other people that uh, um, obviously need a lot of medical help and, and maybe even some mental help in some cases, and, um, uh, but they got them in there, right, they got them into the church, and that's part of the evangelistic uh, process, right, uh, and so, and then they do, uh, they do advertising like billboards, like they've got eight billboards and they've sent out uh, hundreds and thousands of flyers and mailings to uh, the community there. So it's a big, it's a big, now the team does most of that work, right? He brings a team of, of he's got a team of eight people. They do most of the work. They do all the organizing, but the local church uh, aids really from the standpoint of going out and helping do those things, right? So, so that's the reason why I want you all to think about it because if we invite him, you know, we would, uh, as, as much as we can, right? So obviously people work and, and got things to do. Um, but as much as we can, we would have to be available to assist the evangelistic team. And every church he goes to, uh, in fact, he was talking about this last night after the service. Uh, he didn't say every church, but many of the churches he, he's gone to, they've doubled and tripled in size. And, and people, that, people are still going to that church, you know, in that size. Uh, and, and that may be... Uh, you know, for me, I believe we've done everything that we know to do, you know, as far as inviting people and we advertise and we do those things. And yet, you know, we're still the size that we are. And I've got no problem with that. Right. I don't cry at home like, oh, Lord, you know, where's everybody else? Because that's a disservice to you all. Right. That's disrespectful to you all for being here. Uh, and so and I'm not going to disrespect pe people for being faithful to the Lord. Uh, but I believe we've got a, a good message for the community. I think, you know, this community, the Lord sent us this community to teach faith, right, to teach people about the Lord how to live victorious lives, how to live lives free of sickness and disease, uh, and also, you know, living a, a uh, just a joyful life, right? Um, 
and yet, uh, you know, people have stayed away by the thousands, right? Uh, and so, but the, the one thing we haven't done is bring in an evangelist, right? And so an evangelist, that's what they do. They bring people into the kingdom of heaven, right? And they teach us, because really what he has to do is he has to impart into us that same desire and the impartations to be able to do that, to bring people in, right? Uh, because all of us are supposed to be evangelists. That's our primary goal in the earth is to evangelize the world and bring them into the church, right? And then the job of the pastor is to teach them and to instruct them in the word of God. Uh, and that's really the, the design of the head of the church. That's the way Jesus set things up. So uh, what, what I would ask for you all to do is between now and Sunday is just think about it. And, um, uh, and then, you know, let me know if, uh, are you willing to commit to whatever he's going to need, right? And like I said, he's not going to ask for your firstborn male child. He's not going to ask you for, you know, uh, but he will need help, right? He will need us to do whatever he needs done, right? And I don't know all the details. I'll get some more details from the pastor in Hickson. Uh, but in my heart, I think it's, it's a, a great need that we have. We've not bring, brought in the evangelist to our church. Um, it's a missing part, you know, uh, and it's not for trying. You know, I, I have, you know, tried to find some evangelists, but, you know, I want a sure enough biblical evangelist, right? I don't want, you know, snake oil salesmen. You know, I, you know I'm not into, you know, um, it's important to me as a pastor to have the right minister here. So saying all that, uh, if you haven't been doing services, uh, he's an evangelist, right? Now, I'm a pastor teacher. I am not an evangelist, right? Uh, and so uh, I won't talk like he talk. He won't talk like I talk, right? He'll tell you, you know, you're stupid or whatever. And, you know, uh, and, um, uh, you know, he's an evangelist. And so uh, in a, I'm not offended, right? It doesn't bother me at all. But, you know, if you're easily offended, he won't be a good fit for you. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, and, and, you know, uh, of course, uh, listen to Brother Hagen over the years. You know, he, he was never an evangelist. Uh, but he talked about a lot about bringing evangelists in, you know. And he would talk about how they were just wild and, you know, just. Uh, but he always let them be an evangelist. And so if he comes, we've got to let him be an evangelist, right? We've got to let him do his, uh, his call. Amen. Uh, and, and decide between now and then to not get offended, right? Because he'll say, you know, wake up. What are you doing? You know, get out, you know. Uh, and so, um, uh, won't he do that? You all were there last night, right? So he doesn't uh, hold any punches, right? Uh, and, um, um, but you know, th that's not the role of the pastor, right? Because the pastor can't do that because it'd end up being him and his wife in the church after a while, right? Nobody else would be there because we just, just, you know, just rake everybody over the coals all the time, right? Uh, and it's not a bad thing, right? He's not, he wasn't mean or unkind, you know, to people most of the time. Uh, but, um, but he's an evangelist, right? And if anybody ever heard of uh, R.W. Schambach? Well, R.W. got up one time and, and um, he was preaching a funeral. And he said, well, well, this guy's dead and on his way to hell. We can't do anything about him. You know, what about you all sitting in the audience? When are you going to receive the Lord Jesus, right? I mean, you know, you wouldn't do that as a pastor, right? I've, not, I've done a lot of funerals. I've never said that, right? Uh, because... That's not in me, right? That's not, that's, you know, that's not the call upon my life, you know? Now, I could teach him all why, you know, why this guy was going to hell. I'd go through, you know, Luke chapter 16. Well, let's, talk, let's turn to the Bible. to, you know, read about the rich man and Lazarus. I could teach him all that, but, you know, he just lays it right out there, right? So, so that's the ministry of the evangelist, right? It's different than the pastor, different than the teacher, really. And, you know, I was thinking about this today. In many ways, the, the modern New Testament evangelist is probably uh, a lot more like the old testament prophet even you know than, than um, even the new testament prophet uh, you know if you look at jeremiah and elijah you know those those types of ministers um, 
you know, Brother Randy, although he stands in the office of the prophet, Brother Hagen, although he stood in the office of the prophet, you know, Lester Summerall stood in the office of the prophet and, and uh, apostle, they were never like those Old Testament prophets, right? But an evangelist oftentimes will be like that, uh, call people to exhort them to follow the Lord, right? Uh, and so, so that, that's really, uh, you know, in this case, for me, you know, I'm ready to go now and send him this card, right? Drop it off to him tomorrow. But um, uh, for you all, you know, I, I need you all to, to think about, are you willing to do that, right? Are you willing to, to assist and to, and to do help? And, you know, after the service, you know, we have to have food because they've got a team of people, right? And there's no, you know, as soon as it gets dark, Dayton shuts down, right? There's nowhere to go. So we would have to have food and, you know, things that we, we normally don't do. Uh, as a ministry, but uh, I believe we could do it. I don't see any reason why we can't do it. I think we've all got, we're capable of, uh, because one thing I know about us is you all are, are great help, right? You, anytime we need help, any, anytime we ask for help, you all are, are there to help, right? And, and there really would be no different when he comes, right? You would all, I believe you all would be there to help. Uh, and so any questions or, or, or comments about that? What do you all think about that? Dora, you are there, right? So what do you think about that? Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, he kept saying, you know, uh, we're in Hickson, Tennessee. You know, where is Hickson? Nobody's ever heard of Hickson. And uh, I said, well, if you think Hickson is nowhere, I said, you've got to go to nowhere and hang a left to get to Dayton. You know, and so, because, uh, you know, uh, but th there's, no, there's really no reason why the Lord couldn't fill this entire building up, right? And fill up the building next to us, fill up that part of the building over there. I mean, we could easily, and, you know, I believe we should, this, this community needs a word and spirit church, right? And, and he said something last night that I, it was really good to hear. Uh, we said several things that were good to hear, but he said he, said he believes that the end, time of, uh, the end time is when the word and the spirit comes together. And how many times have I said that, right? I've said that uh, lots of times because I believe that is the end. When, when the Lord brings everything together is when, you know, uh, when the Pentecostals had the spirit and the Lord tried to give them the word, they're like, we don't know what to do with that, right? And then the Charismatics came along, they finally got the word, and then he tried to get them to operate in, in the real spirit, not the fake spirit, but the real spirit. They're like, we don't know what to do, right? Uh, and so I believe the end time will, been, will be when people who have been taught the word, and I believe you all have been taught the word, uh, when the spirit falls in that way, that, uh, that we'll all be prepared to move into the last great uh, revival of the earth. And, uh, and that really will be all of us, right? It's not just for the pulpit, right? It's, it's all of us, right? And I believe all of you right now, especially those who come to healing school, you all have got PhD in healing by now, right? Uh, and so, so it, it's, a, uh, it's a big commitment from us because it requires all of us, right? Normally we bring a, bring a minister in, you know, the biggest commitment that we need is to provide them, you know, a good offering, um, and that's really about it, right? Uh, but for an evangelist to come in, he's going to want us to evangelize our area, right? Bring people in. Uh, and a lot of people, you know, especially like on the first night, uh, almost none of those people came back to second night, right? Uh, but they got to hear the gospel, and they got to hear uh, the good news preached to them. And I believe, uh, you know, I don't know, but I, I think there were quite a few who did come back uh, last night. Uh, but, you know, it's probably 10%, 15% came back. And that's kind of what you'd expect, right? You go out and you bring in a whole bunch of people that have never heard the Lord, uh, and you give them an opportunity, you know, to minister to them and preach the gospel to them and pray for them, uh, and then you may never see them again, right? And that's okay. They, they had their opportunity, and hopefully, even if they accepted the Lord, don't come back. Well, they're on their way to heaven. They may never 
find victory in this, in this life, but they'll find eternal life, you know, when they pass from this life. And hopefully uh, that, that seed will be enough to, to get them to heaven, right? And so uh, uh, what do you all think? You are there last night. Of course, you've heard them before, right? So you are way ahead of the game, right? So uh, uh, you guys got any thoughts about that? Uh, He'd be fine. <laughs> uh, well, he is intense, right? Uh, and um, uh, you know, if, if if I'm a if I'm a one, he's like a nine, right? And, and so, of course, I'm not very intense most of the time, right? Uh, uh, and that's not a, I'm not trying to, to uh, disparage myself or anything. Uh, that's my calling, amen. Uh, and um, uh, and so. Uh, I think it'd be great. I think it'd be good for the ministry here. I think um, uh, it's the area that we have not been able to uh, add to our ministry to impart the evangelistic spirit into us because a lot of times what will happen is that that desire to evangelize will stay with us because he'll impart that into us, right? That's, and that's my only desire is for him to come to impart into our church uh, the evangelistic spirit, right? Not that we don't have it. And there's no, no, we're not, uh, it's not a complaint or, or a criticism on us. But that's his role, right, to impart that into our lives, right? And the team is, is exceptional at doing their job about, uh, um, I mean, they, they uh, put me in handcuffs to register. It's like, I don't want to register, you know. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a visiting pastor, you know. Uh, and so rebellion started to set in, but, but, uh, but uh, she threw me to the ground and drug me to the registration desk. So <laughs> I registered, I registered, you know. And then they couldn't find it the next night, so I ain't registering again, you know. So, uh, but... Um, because the registration primarily is for, what they do is they, they, they register, I think they said, what, 1,000, 1,000, 1,100 people were registered for this meeting. And then they hand that over to the church. So uh, the follow-up, after he leaves, then it's going to be our responsibility. And again, it should be ours and not mine. Our responsibility of here's 100 people, call them next week and see if you can get a hold of them uh, and, um, uh, and invite them back to church. Uh, you know, Brother Hagen was talking about years ago where they had a crusade at a local church, and um, uh, they did the same thing, right? They registered everybody, and then they had the list, and they gave it to the pastor when they, uh, you know, uh, they were still going on, but they gave the list of people that had registered up to that point in time. And Brother Hagen was asking the pastor, said, have you called these people? Have you followed up with these people? And the pastor said, no, he said, they wouldn't come to church anyway. And he said he shut the meeting down and left because that's our job. Right, our job is to do whatever it takes to get people into the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Uh, short of, of obviously breaking the law, unless you're Rodney Howard Brown, you get arrested, but then that's okay. Right, that's a different discussion. So, um, so he he would leave that with us. Right. So you know who knows how many who would register, but it would be hundreds of people that he would register. Right. That don't come to our church, and um, of course we're not going to be sheep thieves, uh, but uh, he's going to find people that are either uh, unchurched, you know, or, or used to be churched. Uh, but aren't churched anymore, right? Which is our vision. That's part of what we want to do, right? Get people back in church that are not in church and, um, uh, and also get people who have never been to church, right, to come here. Uh, and so I think I was telling Chris, uh, some folks came by to, to uh, get some help with a water bill uh, just last week. And um, in fact, they called and, you know, um, unless the Lord says something, I said, well, you know, normally we just help people inside the church, you know. Uh, and, but they called the second time, and I, and I sense it's probably okay to help them, and so they came, and, and so I wrote a check for, I, wrote, I always write it to the utility company, right, because if I write it to them, it's probably going to get turned into, you know, who knows what, anything but a water bill, right, and so, um, 
and I said, you know, we all go to church. Well, we don't go to church. Well, you need to come here. Oh, yeah, we'll come. We'll be there Sunday. I said, really? You'll be here Sunday? Yeah. And I, and I looked at that. It was a wife telling me. I said, looked at her, what about you? Well, if she's going, I'm going. And I said, you know how many people tell me that and don't go? Oh, if she says it, it'll happen, right? It didn't happen, right? <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I refuse to ever get bitter about that because I could be like, I ain't helping nobody. Nobody ever comes, you know. That's not my job. Because the Lord said that uh, you've got to give people an opportunity so that when they stand before him, they can't say, nobody told me. Nobody invited me to church. Uh, nobody ever, ever helped me. Uh, so those, if they never go to church again, if they miss heaven, I don't know if they'll miss heaven or not. You know, maybe they're saved. I hope they are. But, but see, they'll stand before the Lord someday and they'll be like, Lord, we never do. And he'll take them to that, we met in the children's room in there. He'll take them to that very moment right here was your opportunity to come and do what you said you was going to do, right? Uh, and so I'm, I'm never, uh, I, I see everything in, in, the, in the light of sowing and reaping. So I'll sow into their life, uh, the invitation. And, and so I'm never going to get mad if they don't come, amen? I'm never going to get bitter. Well, you know, what's the point? Nobody's coming. Uh, we still have to go. We still have to invite, right? We still, still have to ask because if we don't do that, then we're guilty, right? Remember uh, that uh, he told Jeremiah, I think it was Jeremiah, that, uh, or I think it was Ezekiel, that if, if you don't tell him, their blood is on your hands. Uh, and, um, and that's true, right? I mean, if there are people that the Lord prompts you to invite to church uh, and you don't, well, you know, I don't want to be bothered to them, then they may miss heaven because of that, right? Uh, and that's then, then will be on you. Now, you'll still get to go to heaven, but he'll mention it to you. He'll be like, hey, this guy right here, uh, and, uh, you know, there's got to be a morning bench somewhere in heaven for, for those situations, right? Have we all missed it in that area? We probably have all missed it in that area, right? Do we, can, we, can we change it? We can't change it, right? We could ask the Lord for mercy and let us go back maybe, but, uh, but that's, that, that's what I, I want him to, to impart into the church the things of the evangelist, right? The, 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 the spirit of the evangelist, because he told Timothy, Paul told Timothy, do the work of the evangelist. And he was the pastor, right? He was an evangelist. Uh, so all of us are supposed to do the work of the evangelist. Amen. That doesn't mean we're going to be setting up a street corner and preaching with a megaphone, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, the work of the evangelist is to get people into the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Ultimately, that's all of our goal. And so, um, so financially, you know, uh, I think he said last night that just for uh, Hickson, he spent, uh, what he does is, uh, is, because uh, we've had some ministers say, well, I'll come if you write me a check for this much before I show up. And, you know, sometimes we've done that, you know. Uh, I'm not really opposed to that, although there's a little bit of, of hesitancy in my heart about doing that because, um, I don't know, just, just something seems odd to, to me, right? So uh, I, I leave it at that. You know, if, if it's somebody I respect and they do that, well, that's fine, right? Uh, because they do, they've got a minimum amount of expenses to get here. And so, you know, some churches... You know, I mean, I found out, you know, that we do pretty good by ministers around here, right? Uh, you know, I've heard some of the other churches much larger than us and what they give offerings for ministers, much less than what we give offerings for ministers. And, um, uh, but for Hickson, uh, so the church down there, it's a, very, it's a good, it's a good sized church. You know, they, they have a, a regular attendance, about 110 people on Sunday, probably around 150 or so now is my guess. And, um, they spent $47,000, so uh, Evangelist Ankit's uh, ministry spent $47,000 on preparation. So that includes all the flyers they printed in full color, all the advertisement, right, all the travel expense, right, they pay for all that up front. 
Uh, and then, um, of course, the church doesn't have to come up with, with $47,000. We come up with whatever we come up with, right? And, and no doubt that for a church our size and a community our size, he wouldn't have to spend $47,000 to get here, right? Um, and so, uh, but there, you know, there, there is a, uh, probably a pretty significant financial uh, support that we would want to save up for. So if we find out he's coming in September, then we start, uh, uh, we start today. Right? We start uh, saving up our, our funds for him because the workman is worthy of his wages, right? And if he comes and triples the size of our church, well, how, how much is that worth to us as a church, right? Uh, and so, um, so, th- that's, so just be considerate of that as well, right? Now, he received offerings as well, uh, but um, uh, what we always do as a church you know, we receive an offering. Every minister comes, we receive an offering, but he'll receive the offering directly to his ministry. Uh, so, and that's not a, unusual uh, for ministers to do that. Um, you know, normally when we receive an offering, we receive it to the church, and then we write the minister a check. Uh, usually if a crusade's like this, the crusade itself will receive the offering straight to their crusade and not go through the church's books because there's no value in going through the church books necessarily. Uh, but even when, when we do, uh, when we re- have a minister and we receive an offering for the minister, um, I don't guess we've ever given what we receive, right? We always give way more than we receive in the offering to the minister because that's always our heart. Uh, and that's no reflection on you. It's just what my heart is to do is to always be a blessing to the ministers, amen? Uh, and so uh, so that's, you know, but those are real practical things. We still, we still have to do that, right? We can't stick our head in the sand and, well, God will provide, you know. No, we need to start believing God, you know, for increase for all of us, you know, that type of thing. Um, and so no pressure, but none of this should put us under pressure, right? Uh, I'm not in any pressure. I mean, whatever he, whatever he needs or wants, you know, we'll be glad to do that. Uh, but we've always been good to every minister that comes. And, um, um, you know, they've all, all the ministers that have always called us and thanked us for the generous offering. And I never really asked them because I don't really want to know because I'm not trying to compete with anybody. But I, I, as far as I know, we, we do way better uh, for ministers than, than churches 10 times our size, right? Uh, and so, uh, and that's okay, right? Uh, and that's w- one thing that's for us as a ministry, the Lord has always blessed us financially, right? We've always been a financially strong ministry and we will continue to be that way. Um, anything, anything else you want to add to that, Chris? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, literally Jesus said he gave gifts to men, right? So uh, Evangelist Anket is a gift to you and he's a gift to me, right? So if he's, my, if he's a gift to me, and that means he's a gift to this church, then I got no problem bringing him in, right, to let him be a gift to us, right? Um, and so, um, so it's just, it's, it's a, it's a um, uh, it would be a big deal for us to do that, right? Uh, and I think it'd be a good thing for us to do that um, and uh, you know uh, it, it's like a lot of things it's unfortunate that there are a certain number of people who won't come to church unless it's a certain size as a minimum right and so some people well I'm not going to go to a small church in fact I, uh, I know somebody who told me that well, I can't imagine ever going to a small church you know and I didn't say anything but I thought I can't ever imagine telling the Lord I wouldn't do something he told me to do because if the Lord told you to come here would you just say Lord it's not big enough I mean is that, what, is that your response right um, and so to me, anytime we say things like that, we immediately tell the Lord, don't bother me in this box, 
right? This box is my box. You can't play in my sandbox, right? And that's, uh, but how many times do we do that? How many times do people do that? We say, you know, I don't dance in a Holy Ghost. So what you've said to the Lord is, Lord, don't ever come on me. Don't ever get on me. Don't ever, don't ever do that. Don't ever bless me that way, right? Uh, don't ever say things. I would encourage, don't ever say things like that, you know? It may not, not I mean, my personality, I mean, you know, I mean, I think I'm a great guy, but, you know, I'm, a, I'm kind of, you know, not straight-laced, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not super outgoing kind of guy, right? Uh, not an evangelist, right? Uh, and, um, but, you know, if I got to dance in the Holy Ghost, I'll dance in the Holy Ghost. We danced in the Holy Ghost a lot this week, right? Uh, and um, if we got to run around the church, you know, we got to run around the church. Sometimes you got to run, sometimes you got to run, you know? Uh, now, that's not really my personality to do those things, right? But I'm not going to constrain the Lord to say, well, I don't do that. Because immediately then the Lord says, okay, no problem. I will never, I will never bless you in that way. Uh, and I remember years ago, uh, because, you know, by law, as a charismatic, you've got to learn the charismatic two-step, right? It's kind of a bunny hop, you know, hopping one leg, hopping the other. And it's not really the Holy Ghost. It's just, you know, you're kind of hopping around, right? Uh, and um, it always kind of bothered me because it's like, I don't want to hop around. I mean, it kind of looks dumb. I mean, you know, I don't know. But, uh, uh, but then we had, we had a black fella come to our church. Uh, uh, he became part of our church with my pastor many years ago. And he danced in the Holy Ghost. And I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, that's the way I want to dance in the Holy Ghost, right? Because he was beside himself, right? Now, he was Mr. Straight-Laced, right? I mean, when he wasn't that way, he was just Mr., you know, even-keel kind of guy. But when the Holy Ghost got on him, you know, I mean, he just, you know, let it fly. And I told the Lord, I said, you know, uh, this, that's what we're going to do. We're not going to do this thing over here in the flesh. You know, we're going to do the Holy Ghost, right? And, and then uh, we did, right? And then uh, not long after that, you know, we went down to a, a there's a black church down in Griffin, Georgia. And uh, I gave them all a run for their money. You know, they couldn't, you know, this, this little white guy in the corner, you know, um, he danced in the Holy Ghost like all the black people, right? In fact, I had to leave the building because I got so hot. It was wintertime. It was cold outside. I had to go outside and just steam was coming off me, right? And so, because um, I, I got overheated, I had my jacket on and stuff. I got, I got way too hot dancing the Holy Ghost there. Uh, but I wasn't going to let them, you know, beat me. I, I know I'm a white guy and I got no rhythm, but, you know, uh, I can dance in the Holy Ghost, amen? And so, so just, just be thinking about that because uh, um, uh, it would be an amazing investment in our ministry, I believe, you know, to do that. And to me, it doesn't matter what it costs, right? Because it's always an investment. Anytime we bring in ministers, it's an investment. It's us sowing seed uh, into their lives and into our lives, right? Uh, and so, um, and it's not just about, you know, uh, of course, people say things like, well, you know, it's not about growing the church. You know, I think it's just, just a, that's the dumbest thing to say. I want our church to grow. Because if our church grows, we have more people to teach, right? We have more people that we can help. We can help, I mean, if, if tonight we've got, you know, however many people we've got here today, but if we had 100 people on a Wednesday night, which would be an amazing, any miracle that 100 people come on Wednesday night. But that's, that's you know, 100 people that can hear faith. They can hear the word of God. They can learn how to uh, live free from sickness and disease. So to me, that's what it's about. It's about uh, people in this building that we can then give them the word of God and help them live a successful life. And so in that regard, yeah, I want everybody comes here, right? And I know it's about spiritual growth is also, but it's not about numbers. It's, the Lord is a numbers guy. He is a numbers guy, right? Uh, and because he said that, that he, with great patience, he is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. He's waiting for more people to come into the kingdom before he comes back. 
Uh, so he's a numbers guy, amen? So if he's a numbers guy, then we're numbers people, right? Now, we're not competing. We're not, well, how many you got, you know? Because people say, well, how many come to your church? I tell them all that want to. Because yeah, a lot of times it's, it's competition, right? Well, how many come to your church, right? I'd say, everybody wants to, which is really true, right? Uh, and so you don't have to lie about that. Uh, and so anyway, um, so I just, uh, I just wanted to present that to you all because I'd like to invite him uh, to come. Uh, will he come? You know, I don't know. That'd be on him and the Lord, right? Uh, but uh, my faith would be that he comes, amen? Uh, and um, uh, I think he would add a lot uh, to the ministry, right? Uh, no doubt if he comes, Dayton would never be the same again. I mean, you know, he would, Dayton would never be the same again. You know, and I was thinking about this last night, and then we'll, we'll get into the word, but, uh, you know, for a hundred years, Dayton has been known as monkey town. You know, I told Chris, I said, because we had the Scopes Monkey Trial right here, just right down the street, right? And I told Chris, I said, I, I said uh, they need to move on. That was a hundred years ago, right? We're still the monkey town, right? They need to move on, right? I mean, Praise God. I mean, I'm not going to say praise God. It was a monkey trial, right? I mean, we need to move on, right? Dayton could be known as being the evangelistic capital of the world, right? right? There's no reason why, you know, we can't move the world. You know, we don't have to be in Dallas or Los Angeles to move the world, right? Azusa Street was some backwater, podunk, little, uh, it wasn't even a, hardly a building. Uh, and it changed the world, amen? God could change the world with, even with the people that are in this building right now, yeah. right? Uh, and so, you know, I, to me, my, my vision is always large. My vision is, is conquer the world vision, right? Uh, uh, and uh, I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, despondent or sad or depressed, uh, but I'm always looking for more, right? Uh, I think that uh, even what the Lord has invested in us, uh, the people that are here, uh, we've got more word in us than the majority of the church as a whole, right? I mean, so much of the church is, you listen to them talk and it's, it's a race to the bottom, you know, uh, and I'll pull your card if I hear you talking like that, right? Uh, and so, you know, Dayton can be known for more than being monkey town. Amen. Dayton can be known for, have you heard of what's going on in the spirit in Dayton, Tennessee? Have you heard what God is doing in Dayton, Tennessee? Amen. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, there's no reason why uh, we should ever say, well, Lord, you could never use us. And we should never say something like that, right? Well, Lord, you could never do that in Dayton. The Lord would go anywhere where there's open hearts. Amen? And, and I'll tell you a story, and we'll get into uh, get in the Word. But uh, when I was in college, uh, Chris and I were part of this Christian organization. And um, so it was kind of a non-denominational, but it wasn't a spirit-filled denom- uh, organization, right? Just kind of a fellowship, right, of Christians and um, uh, and it was great, you know, it, it was just nice to meet Christians who wanted to live for the Lord. And, um, and, um, but, you know, they, they weren't uh, uh, pushing the envelope on spiritual gifts or tongues or anything like that, right? Uh, which is fine. Uh, and, but it was, at the time, it was the largest organization on campus. Lar- not just Christian organization, but largest ca- organization on campus because we had hundreds of people coming. Uh, and, um, uh, and I was in leadership in that organization, and uh, my, my responsibility was uh, we met every Tuesday, and I, and I had the service, right? So I either did the service or I got a, a guest minister to come and do the service. Uh, and so, uh, but because we could only go so far, right, because, you know, they weren't a charismatic organization, we would supplement that on the side. So we started having this, these, we call them secret meetings. In fact, we had a word, what was, it, what was the name of the Crusaders, right? We call them Crusaders, right? Uh, uh, because you're in college, you say dumb things, right? But, uh, and so 
we call us the crusaders. And so we would get people, uh, you know, uh, not in those meetings, but just on ourselves. And we'd, we'd lay hands on them, get them spirit-filled, speaking in tongues, you know. And, uh, and uh, you remember Tony Marable? He, many of you know Tony. He's been here many times. He was part of that group, right? And so we were just crazy people. Uh, and, um, and so we, and, and, and me and a friend of mine, uh, we'd send all these secret letters to all the post office boxes of all the other students that we wanted to get there. We didn't tell them who we were, right? He said, come, you know, for crusaders and, you know, speak in other tongues or something. And so, and then we had, we got together and we prayed for everybody, got them speaking in tongues. Uh, and it was going great, you know, and so it was kind of a separate deal, wasn't part of the deal. Well, the president of the Christian organization that I was part of uh, wanted to meet with me privately. And she said, you know, all the stuff you guys are doing, are, you're, you're out of order. You know, you're, you're doing those things, and that's not really who we are. But we weren't doing it under them, right? We were, it's a separate thing, right? Uh, now, if you want to go to a Bible study, can I stop you? Should I stop you? Well, that would be, why would I stop you from going to a Bible study, right? Uh, and so, um, so, you know, I let her say whatever she wanted to say. She was, you know, kind of, you know, it was very religious, right? Very... Um, you know, I'm in charge, and you know, and you don't know anything, and, and she went on, and, and after she got done, I said, look, I said, I said, the Lord will always go where he's welcome. I said, if you shut this down, the Lord will move on and find somewhere else to go. I can guarantee you. Uh, he will not stay where he's not welcome. Uh, and, um, you know, you fast forward to just a few years after, now that we were, the, like I said, the largest organization on campus, within a few years, it was gone. Not even, not just uh, dwindled, they shut the whole uh, thing down because nobody was going to those meetings. Uh, and, and I don't know if that president of that organization ever really contemplated that it was her, it was her, right? And whatever other leadership was behind, back in her statements there, because we weren't doing anything wrong. I mean, we were literally trying to get to know the Lord more. Uh, and you know, it's so religious to try to shut stuff like that down. Now, we didn't shut it down. We kept on doing, you know, we don't care. It's however you want to, you know. Uh, and, um, and there's a whole lot of stories about stuff like that, you know, that uh, I got in trouble a lot when I was in college because I wanted to do the Lord and, and other people were stupid and wanted to run things as men would run things. And I wasn't interested in doing that, you know. I didn't know everything, but I knew, I knew not to do that because as soon as men get a hold of everything, first thing to do, well, let's kill the Spirit of God. We can't have that, right? We've got to get rid of that. Can't have that running around. Uh, that makes us uncomfortable. Uh, and so you should, you should always be comfortable in the presence of God. Amen? Even in these meetings at, uh, with uh, uh, Evangelist Ankit, they're wild, right? People running around, dancing the Holy Ghost, you know, laughing, falling on the ground. Doesn't bother me a bit. Glad to be there, right? Doesn't make me uncomfortable. And it's the Spirit of God, right? Is it all the Spirit of God? It's probably not all the Spirit of God. There's probably some people who are just doing it for show, right? But they're not going to keep me from... Uh, worshiping the Lord, amen? Uh, you should never stop doing something because what somebody else is doing, that's, that's foolishness because that will get you in trouble, amen? All right, praise God. Well, we still got a few minutes here. Why don't we just open up the Bible? You know, we ought at least open up the Bible somewhere, right? Now, see, at Evangelist, you know, I think he read like one verse last night, didn't he? Uh, and so, um, you know, but that's the Evangelist. And, uh, and um, we're not here to evangelize you all, you all saved, right? So I don't need to evangelize you all. You all are saved, amen? So uh, we need to open up the Word and find out what the Word says. And so we, we, were, we got down to uh, Philippians 2.9 uh, last week, and uh, we read, it says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Uh, and so uh, 
if you ask the question, well, why did God highly exalt him? So who's the him? Jesus, right? So God has highly exalted Jesus. And why did he do that? Because Jesus was obedient. And that's really the, the whole, if you can get that down and understand that, that, that we get exalted when we are obedient. Now, Jesus wasn't exalted before he came to the earth. He was exalted after he came to the earth, right? Before he came to the earth, he did not have a name that was above every name. He had a name, and I guess it was still Jesus before, but, but the name of Jesus was elevated after uh, he completed his obedience. Amen? And the Lord God himself, who's the ruler of all things, put his name, and he says he hath given him a name which is above every name. Uh, and so, uh, so for all of us, you know, the Lord desires to exalt us. And, you know, there, there's a conflict in the, in the life of the Christian of, well, we want to stay humble, right? We don't, want to be, we don't want to be prideful. We don't want to be seen. And, you know, you've got to find the balance in that because the Lord's desire is to exalt you. And we're going to look at some scriptures here that prove that, but the Lord's desire is to exalt you or to, or to bless you and, and make you highly favored. Uh, and we're going to look at uh, some more details about what the definition of, of to exalt means. Uh, but, that's the Lord's desire. And that, that, that result of being exalted always comes after you, you are obedient to the Lord. And so, you know, if somebody never gets, never improves in any way of their life, and, and so it's not always in the same way, right? Because exalted, like, you know, I believe around here that we are exalted in revelation, right? We have a lot of revelation about faith, uh, about things that help us. Uh, and uh, we wouldn't have been there if uh, Chris and I weren't obedient to uh, to help where we did prior to being pastors, right? Uh, and so I believe where we are where we are today spiritually because of what we did in the past, that the Lord has exalted us in that area because of, our, uh, of the sowing and reaping and being obedient to the Lord. Uh, and so the Lord God, the Father God, has highly exalted Jesus because he was obedient, right? And, and how did he exalt him? Well, he lists several things here, uh, uh, verses uh, 9 and 10 and really 11 there, uh, but the first thing they did, he gave him a name which is above every name. So uh, where he said exalted, we mentioned this last week, that, that word exalted there, this use of the word exalted is the only time that it's used in the whole New Testament. So even though the, the English word exalted is used many times, this particular Greek word for exalted is only used right here because Jesus was exalted, it says, over everybody else. So we are exalted, but he's exalted more. Right, and so that's and and we need to keep Jesus in that position, right? That we're never uh, equal with Jesus in in all ways, and we're gonna look at some ways we are equal to Jesus. But uh, Jesus is uh, deity. Are we ever gonna be deity? We're never gonna be deity. Jesus is the head of the church. Are we ever gonna be the head of the church? No. So uh, if we could just get that revelation, that that solve about ninety percent of church uh, problems, right? That we are not the head of the church. That means if, if, if I'm not the head of the church, you know what that means? You are also not the head of the church, right? Uh, but how many times people in the church want to be the head of the church? And they would try to tell the pastor, you know, well, you can't have that guy here. You know, you can't teach that. You can't do that. Well, you're not only not the head of the overall church, you're also not the head of the local church, right? And so uh, I'm, the, I'm the head of this local church, but I'm also under the head of the church, right? So I answer to the Lord Jesus. And so I'm not without accountability accountability uh, and you know in that uh, you know what i would encourage you all to do is uh, in your own hearts and, and you know i don't think we have a problem with it right now but it, you know 
if we tripled in size, I can guarantee you one person there is going to want to take over the church, right? Uh, because they're just people who just want to do that, right? They want to spoil things, you know, or they want to come here and scope you all out and pick, okay, I want you, I want you, I want you, I'm going to go start my own church. How you all come down and start a church with me, right? Because they don't want to do the hard work of, I mean, we've been doing hard work here for, for you know, almost 10 years in Dayton, right? Uh, and uh, plowing hard, right? I mean, I drive through Dayton still. Uh, confess prosperity. And Dayton has really significantly prospered since we've been here, right? I mean, we've got uh, a lot more restaurants, you know. Uh, we've also got a lot more red lights, too. I don't know if that's part of prosperity or not, but, um, but uh, we've got some significant uh, uh, manufacturing facilities coming in into Dayton. Uh, and um, because in this area, uh, poverty and religion are the two strongest strongholds in our area those two things and that's part of what we're here to do is to destroy the works of the enemy in those two areas right well religion will tend to suppress a ministry like this right uh and so but you know we have the victory don't we amen so it doesn't bother me you know we still preach what we preach and we're going to do what we're going to do and you know we're not going to let religion because uh, well if you guys would just do this you know you'd have more people well, i'm not doing that i had somebody tell me one time says well the ends justify them you can't argue with success and the way they got people was to, you know, by fleshly means, right? You know, uh, I'm going to get up Sunday. I'm going to show you my new tattoo. To show, you know, you got, I don't care if you got a tattoo or not, but I'm going to show you mine so I can show you that I'm cool and hip, right? If I'm cool and hip, we'll get all the cool and hip people to come here, right? We're going to play rock and roll music instead of really worship music because that'll get the young people in here. And it doesn't matter that we're not worshiping the Lord. We're just uh, elevating our flesh. But we got people to come in. So that's what we should do, right? That's not what we should do. Amen. Did Jesus ever compromise to get people? He never compromised, right? Uh, and so, so there will be people who come in who will think that they're head of the church, right? Uh, but you all are well taught. And, um, uh, you know, one, one easy way to solve a lot of that, when, you know, when they come in and they start whispering, right? Because they will, right? Uh, and, um, you know, in all the years that when people have left, it's really rare that the Lord ever has me to say something to them. Because I can tell, you know, as a pastor, he will show me. Well, their hearts, you know, they, they, they have left you, right? And so what, all I typically do is pray for them, right? Because, you know, I'm going to say, well, Lord, because uh, it, it's, I'm not their Holy Ghost, right? Because I could go and demand, hey, you know, you need to submit and whatever. I'm not doing that. Uh, that's not my job. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. Um, but what will happen when they do that, they'll start gossiping to you about me, right? Hey, you know, that message, you know, that one verse, you know, it was a pretty good verse, but he could have used this verse better, right? So let's start really simple, right? And an easy way to fix that is, hey, let's go talk to the pastor about that. You really think so? Let's go, talk, let's go see what he thinks about that. Uh, uh, and, and if you ever hear these words, don't tell the pastor. You know the first thing you should do? Go tell the pastor. Because there are sheep in wolves' clothing, right? Uh, and um, uh, I, had, I can't tell you over the years when I was with my pastor how many people did that to me. And I would, t- you know, I would say no. Uh, if we're having this conversation, it's in the church, the pastor has a right to know. And so I was always, you know, I was always a help to his ministry. I would never tried to build my ministry inside of his ministry, right? Because that would be unethical, right? And yet people will do that all the time, right? Uh, uh, and, uh, but you all have the Holy Ghost, right? Easiest way, let's go, let's go, yeah, you really think that? Let's go find out what he thinks, right? Uh, and um, that'll shut it all down right there, right? Because that is strife and envy, right? And where, and where there's uh, confusion, and what, what is it, uh, in James, right? 
where there's strife and envy, there's confusion and what? Every evil work, right? So that's strife, right? And where there's strife and confusion, or strife and envy, there is confusion, right? And so what happens with, because they don't get the mature Christians, right? They get the people that are maybe young in the Lord and really haven't been around. And they'll be, you know, and so what they'll do is, is they'll breed confusion in those people's lives. Well, maybe this isn't the best place for me. See, that's confusion, right? Because yesterday you thought this was the best place in the world for you. Uh, and I can't tell you how many times people have told me that, that uh, they've learned more in this church in the six months that they were here than they learned their entire Christian life, right? And then they're gone. Well, that doesn't make any sense, right? Why would you learn more in six months that you're here? Well, because, you know, we're not going to yield to carnality, right? Uh, and, and, you know, I know I'm, I'm somewhat soft-spoken, and, but I'm not a pushover, right? Uh, I mean, I'm focused on the, on the ministry. I'm focused on the vision of the church. And, and I won't let anybody deter me from that. And when people say, if, if uh, I had one person, if you don't do this, I'm, we're leaving. And I said, I hope you find a pastor that will, will, can help you. Because I don't play those games, right? Uh, and I'll never play those games because it would hurt you, right? Uh, and, and so, uh, and it's like, you want, you want the quickest way to the exit? Just threaten me if, you don't, if I don't do something, you leave. Uh, you know, let me, I don't want the door to hurt you. Let me, let me get the door for you, right? Because uh, that, that's manipulation, right? That's devilish, right? That's witchcraft. Uh, and, uh, and there, but there will be people that way. And, and we'll have to deal with it. It's fine, right? No problem. We won't get mad about it. Uh, you know, my desire is to help them uh, if I can, right? Uh, and uh, I believe we'll help some of them. We'll save some of them, right? We'll, we'll get some of them out of that. Uh, but it'll happen, right? If we, if we triple in size tomorrow, it'll happen. We'll get some people in there, right? Uh, Lester Summerall always said that a church of any size, uh, you know, and he said, I think he's number 500, so you've got a church of 500, which is a pretty good church, right? I mean, I'd be glad to have 500 people in church. He said there's, there's at least... Uh, one woman who wants to sleep with a pastor, you know, and so, uh, and you hear, I mean, how, how many stories have you heard just in the last six months of ministers over large organizations, they're sleeping with the secretaries, whatever, you know, uh, and um, I sleep with the secretary, but she's my wife, so it's, it, you know, that's okay, right? That's the easiest way to solve the problem, right? You're either sleeping with the secretary or the praise and worship leader, and both of my wife, so, you know, and I don't have multiple wives, I just got one wife, right? We don't believe in, uh, you know, when these multiple wives things, you know, but, uh, so that solves all the problem, right? So anyway, um, uh, but, uh, but that is something, you know, as church grows, there's things to deal with, amen? Uh, it's worth the effort. People are worth the effort. People are worth the opportunity to give them a chance to repent, amen? I got no problem asking them to leave. I mean, it wouldn't bother me. If the Lord said you, they need to go, I, I, I had no problem saying, hey, why don't you find, you know, just like I told you, that one, one fellow said, if you don't do what I say, you're gonna, what you should do, we're leaving. I hope you can find a pastor that, no, they won't. They will not find a pastor that will help them, right? Because there's too much rebellion there, but anyway. So, so, so God exalted Jesus to a position that none of us will ever be in, amen? He is the head of the church. Nobody else is the head of the church, amen? And so in that, we need to learn how to submit to the head of the church. Not to me, I'm talking about, but as the head of the church. He's the head of, if he says to do it, then, then we do it, right? And, and he's prescribed many things in his word through the hands of Paul and James and John and, and the writers, but it's the head of the church that wrote those things down on our behalf, amen, for, our, for us. So, so God has highly exalted Jesus and has given him a name which is above every name. Well, what's that name? The name is Jesus, right? So that name is Jesus. So it's not Christ because Christ is not his name. Christ is his title, his position, right? So you ever hear people pray these long, flowery, you know, in Christ's name, you know? 
Don't, does that sound impressive in Christ's name? You know, uh, I mean, might as well say Mr. Goodbar name or whatever because that's not the name that was given to him that's above every name. He was the Messiah. Christ means the Messiah, the anointed one. He was the Messiah on the earth. That was his position. But he's really, in a sense, he's not the Messiah today because the Messiah's came and gone. He's the head of the church now, right? He's still the Messiah. I'm not trying to take anything from Jesus, but, uh, but that's not his name. It's not a title that was given to him that's above every title. It's a name that was given to him above every name. So that name is Jesus. And that's where, uh, and he says, uh, if, he, if we go on and read that, he says, uh, in verse 10, that at that name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth. So in what realm uh, is the name of Jesus available? Everywhere, right? So, and, and it says at that name of Jesus, right? So not Christ, not in him, not in your most holy son, not in Mary's child. It's Jesus and only Jesus, right? Uh, and people say, well, it's not pronounced Jesus. I don't care. It's Jesus, right? That's his name. Uh, I mean, my name is not pronounced Baloo or, or Bolu or, you know, whatever, but, you know, that's still my name, right? People, you know, will, will, will hack it and, and uh, they do terrible things to my name. Uh, but, uh, but that's the name. So, uh, and this is a good, uh, we're not going to go into a lot of depth in this, but this is a good uh, understanding of where does our authority reside then? It's in his name, right? In the name of Jesus specifically. So, because uh, he said, at his name, uh, every knee should bow. That means every knee, right, anything that comes in con contact with the name of Jesus will bow down under that authority, right? That his name is above a higher authority than every other name in the universe. So, so that includes everything. If it's got a name, then it's under the name of Jesus, right? Uh, and... Um, so where is our authority not found? So what has the church done to kind of fake authority, right? Uh, and I've told you many of these stories before, but we, we went on mission trips, and, and one guy would take his Bible, and they, it was some girl needed a devil cast out of her. He went and laid his Bible on her, right? Well, is that where our, our authority resides, in this uh, little chunk of leather? And I mean, it's a dead cow, right? And, 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 and a dead wood, and I don't know what ink's made out of, but whatever ink's made out of, right? Uh, so you got dead cow and dead wood. Is there any authority in dead cow and dead wood? I mean, nobody says the name of the dead cow, right? I mean, that would be kind of, nobody would say that. But, but does our authority reside in this printed book? Does it even reside in, in, in the words in this book? It doesn't reside in the words. It only resides in the name of Jesus, which I know is in the book, of course. But, uh, but what about the crucifix, right? Right? You, you, it works for vampires, right, on TV, right? Uh, does a crucifix hold any power? No, no but, but Hollywood loves to think it does, right? And same thing with things like holy water and relics, you know. Uh, I've, got, I've got the finger of an apostle, right? It's a relic, and, uh, and there's supernatural power in it. It's, not, it's, just, it's probably not even real. It's probably from your dog anyway, right? It's not even a real uh, bone of an apostle. But, uh, but people love to, uh, to have superstition in the church, right? But the only area that we have authority is in the name of Jesus, uh, and, and so if you're going to exercise authority, it needs to be in the name of Jesus, right? Uh, not in anything else. Uh, and surely don't use uh, your, um, your resume. Well, I'm a child of God. Okay. You, there's no authority in being a child of God. There's only authority in the name of Jesus. Amen. And now there are other privileges to being a child of God, no doubt, right? Uh, 
but, um, but we've got to be careful. What about the blood of Jesus? Is there authority in the blood of Jesus? Uh, I mean, the, the blood of Jesus has a value, right? A great value. I mean, are we washed in the blood? Absolutely. Are all of our sins washed in the blood? Absolutely. And that causes us to be clean, right? Because of the blood, right? But do we use a, the blood of Jesus as a reference for our authority? What's, it, what's the verse say there? At that name of Jesus, right? What about the blood of Jesus? It doesn't say at the blood of Jesus, every knee shall bow. It says at the name of Jesus, right? So this is an area, and I'm not trying to be controversial, but, but in the church I hear a lot of times people utilize or try to utilize the blood of Jesus as a placeholder for authority. And yet the Word of God says that it's the name of Jesus, right? Remember when, when, when uh, Peter and John in Acts chapter 3 were with the man there at the, the gate beautiful, and he said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, which is fine, right? That's Jesus' full title, but it's still the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. He didn't say, by the blood of Jesus, or I plead the blood, or, you know, uh, uh, anybody heard the pleading of the blood, right? Where in, in the, the 31,102 verses in the, New, in the King James translation does that phrase reside? It's not found in the Bible. It's not even a biblical phrase. Uh, it's a phrase that we often hear, but uh, is there any authority in the blood of Jesus? there's authority in the blood of Jesus to wash our sins away because that's what, that was a payment for our sins, right? And so we don't want to take away from the blood of Jesus. It's, you know, the precious blood of Jesus, right? Maybe wa washed clean as snow, right? All those things are true. And we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus. It was the payment, the, the eternal payment for our sins and our redemption, amen? So uh, not, and, and maybe one of these days we'll teach just on the blood of Jesus, right? Because you can go back in the Old Testament, look at the types and shadows, and, and it helps us to understand how valuable the blood of Jesus is. But our authority does not reside in the blood of Jesus. And, you know, probably in, in some circles of the charismatic church, I would be stoned for saying such heresy, right? And yet, I didn't write the Bible. Uh, Jesus was exalted, and he was then given a name above every name, right? He wasn't given his blood to be above every name. He was given a name that's above every name. So if we need to have a name to submit to our will cancer or headaches or you know uh, any any kind of demonic activity you know whatever it is that we need to sub have submit to our will we need to exercise the name of jesus right we don't exercise the blood of jesus you know that's where you know in prayer lots of times you know lord thank you for your blood thank you that i'm washed in the blood thank you that i stand before you clean right when we receive communion it's the juice and the bread the juice represents his blood we, we declare that we're clean because of the blood that was shed uh, and so you know, don't ever take that uh, because I'm trying to not utilize the blood in the area of authority that I, that I think the blood has no, no value. I think, uh, in fact, uh, one translation says it was at infinite cost that we were redeemed. And the infinite cost is his blood, right? That's how valuable it was. It's, 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 it's infinite value. Uh, and so, uh, because my concern when I hear people use the blood of Jesus in the area where authority is needed they can't get the job done because that's not where our authority resides. Well, I did it once and it worked. Well, you know, God will throw you a bone every now and then, right? Uh, no doubt. But if we're going to operate by faith, we need to follow the, the if, there's, if there's doctrine uh, listed in the Word of God, we should follow the doctrine because we're responsible to do that, amen? We can't just, well, I, I prefer the blood over the name. That's great. It doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter that you prefer the blood over the name. 
That's not what we were given. We weren't given the blood of Jesus that's, a na- that, that's over every name. We were given the name of Jesus that's over every name. Does that make sense? Anybody offended, right? You know, I mean, if that gets you offended, just wait till uh, Reverend Anki gets here, you know. Uh, he'll offend your mama and she won't even be here, right? Uh, and so, um, so, uh, and, and to me, especially as a teacher of the word, it's, it's important, right? Because I see so many people say these things and it, 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 I just know in my heart it can't be effective because our faith can only reside where there's word to back it up, right? Our faith is always laid upon the foundation of the word. It's not based upon the foundation of someone's experiences. And I've heard lots of times, well, I use the blood of Jesus and this thing happened. That's great. Uh, and, and I'm happy for them. I'm not going to go, well, that probably didn't really work, you know, because, you know, technically that's not really correct, right? Uh, I mean, the Lord is merciful. And have we all said dumb things and it still worked anyway? Have we all said things that weren't probably accurate to the nth degree and we still got success? Well, the Lord's merciful, right? But once we know, we're kind of responsible now, right? So, uh, you know, I probably ruined the blood of Jesus for all of you to, you know, plead the blood over your car and plead the blood over your travels and plead the blood over, you know, whatever. That's not, our authority resides in his name. Amen? We can use the name of Jesus, rightfully so, in any, in any capacity that we, we want, need, or desire. Amen? Uh, and, and so, uh, and, and look, if you, if you come to me and say, I found a verse, it says plead the blood. We'll read it together. We'll find out how to, how to apply that, amen, uh, in the correct sense. Uh, but I have not found one yet, amen. Uh, and, and I keep looking for one because, you know, I hear so many people use that phrase, and, and, and it's just kind of, um, it's just one of those things that, um, that has become, uh, I, I don't know, it's not nails on a chalkboard because it doesn't really bother me that much, but it bothers me for the people saying it because it, it sounds good, but there's no value in it, really, in saying those words. There is value in the blood, of course, but the, not saying those words, amen? So not trying to offend anybody, and if anybody on Facebook's watching it, you know, you can send me a verse, too, if you want to, and, uh, and um, all is well, amen? Uh, and so, so Jesus was exalted where we will never be. Yes. And for us, the question for us is, are you okay with that? See, there's always people in the church that are not okay with that. You know, be, you know why? Because the devil's not okay with that. And so, you know, unfortunately, there are people in the church who are still motivated by the devil. And the devil is never okay that Jesus was highly exalted above everybody. He wasn't okay with it before he was even highly exalted. He wasn't okay, you know, he wanted to be above the throne of the Most High God, right? And so now, Father God has has exalted Jesus above everyone. And, And, you know, it probably wasn't the primary motivation of sticking his thumb in the devil's eyeball, but it was probably like, oh, by the way, Satan, did you see that? Yeah, I just wanted to know that I exalted Jesus, you know. No doubt that uh, maybe he sent him an email or something, or t- probably texted him, "Hey, look at who's sitting next to me right now." Um, and so, uh, are we okay with that? Well, you know, of course we should be, right? Uh, and, and and even the religious people, oh yeah, of course we are. You know, well then why are you trying to overthrow the church? Why are we tr- if you're trying to overthrow a local church, you're not okay with Jesus being the head of the church. You know, you think you're the head of the church, amen. Uh, and, and it's just to me, it's just I just can't imagine doing that. You know, I can't imagine being so full of myself that I would try to overthrow any organization, right? Even though I told you we were part of that Christian organization, you know, we could have, there was enough of us spirit-filled people, we could have just taken over and turned it into a charismatic organization. But that would have been disrespectful. It wasn't our organization, right? We went into it, you know, uh, with the understanding that this is, that this is where they want to be. And we were okay with that. So we augmented that by doing something completely separate without any 
desire to overthrow that group. Uh, and we still got in trouble for it, but still, you know, we had no desire to overthrow the group. Amen? Uh, and and uh, I, I know we need to go now, but, um, you know, there was a time when, uh, you know, when in the years that, the, the bad years, I say the bad years when I was with my pastor, you know, there were many, many good years, a few bad years towards the end. Uh, but he got up in the pulpit as a Wednesday night, and, and he said these words. He said, Chip Bolio is trying to take over this church. He said those words from the pulpit, mentioned my name. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, just that, in fact, just that day, I was talking to someone. I said, I, because I, my pastor always struggled with uh, being paranoid that somebody was trying to take over his ministry. And it wasn't, wasn't entirely paranoia because I think I told you that one lady said, if you don't give your church to my husband, you're going to die. Now, can you imagine, the Lord said, that's what she said, the Lord said, if you don't give your church to my husband, you're going to die, to my pastor. I mean, it would have to be three burning bushes and a billy goat or something. I mean, there's no way. I mean, uh, even the Lord appeared to me like, you can't be God. Because I can't imagine in any scenario, because just go start your own church. I mean, just go down the street and start your own church, right? Without stealing all the people here, just go down and an empty building, put a sign out and say, come on Sunday, right? I mean, and see how, we'll, see how well it works, right? Because they don't want to do that. They want to steal you, and, you know, they know, well, they're going to pick all the big givers out. Well, yeah, I know you're a big giver. I know you're a big giver, you know. Uh, and, and, you know, they won't get the homeless guy sits on the back, you know, and got uh, nasty clothes, even though if that's your motivation for who's a big giver, I can guarantee you that you will never know because uh, some of the uh, people that dress the worst were some of the biggest givers with my pastor. In fact, I remember one year, they were the biggest giver, you know, bigger than me. And we were always big givers. And, and you would never pick them out of a crowd that this person's got a lot of money. I mean, you would never. Uh, and so because they're carnal, they will never, ever pick the, the best people anyway for, for their uh, designs. But, um, but you know, my, my, my pastor said that, that I was trying to take over his church. Uh, and I had, I mean, I spent so much time with the Lord and talked to the Lord because I was trying to figure out how to get out from under, under being in trouble. I wasn't even, you know, I didn't do anything to get there, so I didn't know how to get out. And we're going to talk a little bit about that on Sundays because we're going to talk about healing the brokenhearted. And, and I learned what that meant really through that process. Um, but I never tried to take over my pastor's church. In all the years I was with him for 20 years, and I only ever the Lord sent me there to help them, and I only ever desired to help them. Uh, no matter how unkind he was to me, no matter what he accused me of, I never had designs on this pulpit. Not, not a single, not a day or a minute. Never thought about it. Never wanted it. Never desired it. Um, uh, and I can say that with all sincerity. And of course, Chris, you know, she's here. She can tell you, right, uh, the anguish that we went through uh, in those years. Um, and so, uh, but Jesus is the head of the church, and he's got a name. And we get to use that name. Uh, and, and I'll tell you this, and then we'll go. Um, you know, you think about the authority of the New Testament. So if you go all the way back with Adam, when God gave him the authority of dominion over the earth, have dominion over the earth. Uh, he transferred authority from himself to Adam, right? He gave him this authority. This is your authority, right? That's why Adam was able to then transfer that authority to the devil, right? So the devil was in authority really from, from Genesis chapter 3 until really Matthew 28, right? Until, uh, until the resurrection. Uh, and so uh, because Adam took what belonged to him and he transferred it to, uh, to the devil, but now the authority that the church has resides in the name of Jesus. Well, we don't own the name of Jesus. We just have a right to use it. 
So we're really in a safer position than Adam was because even though we have really the same level of authority that Adam had, we can go anywhere we want to with the Lord says to go, and we've got full and complete dominion in that area by the name of Jesus. But we can't mess it up. It's really a better design than, than Adam had, right? Because Adam could mess it up. I mean, it didn't take him long to mess it up, right? I mean, maybe 100 years he messed it up. And in the, in the great scheme of things, that was a drop in the bucket. So, so now we have the same level of authority that Adam had, and yet we can't mess it up. So actually, I think that's pretty good. Amen. I, I appreciate the Lord, uh, you know, giving a second chance to, to uh, have great authority without being able to mess it up. Amen. So it's, it's, it's a, um, uh, uh, I think there's, in the manufacturing world, there's some, there's some phrases like that where you can't mess it up, right? Failsafe, that's what I was trying to think of. Failsafe, right? You can't mess it up, right? Uh, and so that's good, amen? Let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So Father, we thank you for the word of God and we thank you for the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name, Father. And if it's above every name, Father, that means if anything has a name, Father, then your name is above that name. So that means it's above cancer and arthritis and sickness and disease and poverty and lack and, and, and destruction and, and, and everything, Father, that is against your will. Your name, the name of Jesus, is above that. And so, Father, we believe that. We choose to believe that, Father. It's our responsibility to believe that. And so, Father, we can live this life free from anything that's outside your will. And we can live in the fullness of your will, Father, in this earth. We thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Um, well, let's get ready to receive this evening's offering, and um, we'll see what uh, Reverend Ankit says, and, and um, we'll let you know, right? If he comes, we're going to install some seatbelts in all the chairs, right? <laughs> Hang on, right? It'll be a wild ride. Um, and so come ahead, Mr. Jared, and uh, we'll be going down there tomorrow night. Uh, and uh, in fact, it's tomorrow night and Friday. We'll go down for both of those services. And um, if you want to go, let us know. Uh, he is not uh, short-winded. Amen. Mm -hmm. Where he started at 7, got out at 8, he, he gets cranked up about 9 o'clock, I think, you know. Uh, but um, uh, we haven't got out before 10 o'clock uh, any time this week yet. So, and they start at 7. So they sing, what, like 100 songs or something like that? And then, and then um, not that many songs. No, he, he um, 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 but it's good, amen. It's good. So he's got a good uh, exhorting message. It takes a long time to kick over golden caps, right? Yeah, and he's kicking them left and right, amen. So, all right, we'll be blessed, and uh, we'll see you all on Sunday, right?